Welcome to the World of Procurement Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. On today's episode, we have Rory Unsworth. Rory is a trained legal professional. He's based in Zurich, and he actually focuses a lot of his time now on contract digitalization uh, as a consultant. And Rory has worked in the insurance industry for a long time, and he's covered a lot of big, I would say, some of the biggest insurance cases going and he I just found him very easy to listen to and what we wanted to focus on in this short episode was the problem of contracts where are contracts going why do they need to be improved and how might they be improved moving forward or even right now in the present day there are a lot of innovations out there that are attempting and also succeeding in making contracts far more understandable for businesses across the world. So it's a really insightful episode. Rory is a man that you should all be connected with. So definitely check out what he's up to. Enjoy the podcast. Rory, great to have you on the uh, World of Procurement podcast. Uh, We've obviously had a chat before this and I've listened to you on the InsureBlocks podcast talking all things legal, uh, contracts, legal engineering, blockchain, all these wonderful things. And I really wanted to get you on here to give us a bit of an overview as to where contracts are going. But first, it'd be cool just to get an introduction as to who you are, maybe just what you're up to at the moment and what you've been up to in the past. Thanks, Daniel. So I'm um, I'm a UK lawyer by training, uh, spent a long time in the insurance industry. And um, basically, at the moment, I'm I'm working around consultancy in the in the digitalization space, the contract digitalization space. And um, I'm a great technology advocate besides my job, you know, in terms of um, what it can do do for us as a, as a society. So um, that's a little bit my profile. I live here in Zurich, I may, may mention that. And um, I'm very happy to be on the show. No, that's great. And I, I like the phrase contract digitalization, even though it's a bit of a mouthful for most of us, but it, it, it's great. I mean, what, what what's going on in that space at the moment regards contracts? What, what sort of new innovations are happening in that space? I, I'm always reluctant to launch straight into, you know, here's the sort of sexy hardware. I, I always like to start, if you don't mind, at the, at the point of, you know, what is the problem here, right? with contracting the way we do it now, because that's normally what sort of drives the solution, isn't it? So do you mind if I, if I beforehand go into that a bit? Yeah, that's, that's even better. Definitely. Great. Definitely. So, so with contracts, the problem is that, that they currently take the form that is not a best fit for the requirements of global trade. So basically they're very slow and they're inefficient and their complexity means they're too intermediated by brokers and lawyers. So the business understands them too little to really use them properly as instruments of cooperation. And too often they lead to disputes at one point or another. So they're really not um, great as they suddenly are. And if you have a sudden crisis like you know COVID-19 like we're going through at the moment, the form of contracts is one of the things that's going to slow the supply chain or ability to protect ourselves to trade. So for example, uh, PP. So that's where it starts, uh, in, in my opinion, the, the, the problem. And that's what all the solutions I'm going to be talking about are addressing, really. Yeah, I, I think that was a really good overview. And thanks for kind of actually making that distinction that it's always good to uh, to address what the problem is first because otherwise it's just progress for the sake of progress right right and you don't know what sort of what tech stack would fit with what problem but um, the second thing for me to bear in mind is that um, not all contracts are equal you know um, contracts is a huge word and it covers lots of different document clusters it goes from your NDA or your, your employment contract of like four or five pages 
to to catastrophe bonds where the contract and the accompanying exhibits can take 100 lever arch files and include the creation of a number of companies or holding structures or uh, complex contracts of public procurement of the type that you'd be looking at Daniel I mean can you imagine the um, what the contract on HS2 might look like uh, from yeah. the UK government perspective. So, um, you know, it's a, it covers a huge range of, uh, of different types of uh, arrangement and documents. So the first thing that's happening for me is actually has nothing to do with technology. It's more to do with taxonomy, which we've never got round to in the past. So the big news here is ICCM's VCU model for the classification of contracts. That for me is a very important development, not very well known yet, but what, what this stands for, VCU, stands for a value compliance uncertainty and what that what this framework tries to do is essentially classify contract types in order to determine the levels of care and attention that they need within the organization right and how complete they they need to be and how complete you should have the ambition of making them and this vcu framework it's very simple it has four quadrants um, or models and it goes from A to D, where A is the simplest type of contract subject to the least uncertainty, where basically the least amount of work can go. And H, and sorry, D, <laughs> jumping straight from A to uh, D is the most complex, uncertain types of contract where a high regard to, to completeness should be given, and where typically in the life of that contract and in, in the creation of that contract, innovation will have to be used in designing it. And that is, I guess, your HS2 type of overall contract arrangement. And if you think of the type of person who would currently look after segment A, they would be more the administrative or paralegal type of person. Whereas your type D professionals would typically both um, be highly qualified lawyers or whatever, and innovative people. So that's that's what the VCU framework represents and in recent years all those different types of documents were dealt with by organizations in, in like a sausage machine style so all going through at the same rate put together in the same way often by the same people but uh, most sectors had bespoke assembly and A to Z reading and analysis without any kind of segmentation of documents and with a framework like the VCU you can begin to leverage technology particularly in those type A contracts where you train machines to do basic first read legal analysis so what, what that means effectively if you, if you think about the world of contracts as being quadrants A, B, C and D with many many of them being in A that means you can save your focus for those uh, frequently occurring contracts and spend it much more on, on the more complex type of contracts and you can start to save the human input for those areas requiring creativity and new solutions which is really the you know the, the unique human characteristics so um and, and then you can of course be, be more available to respond to unexpected situations like pandemics okay so that's that for me is where it begins it, it begins with us beginning to understand the types of contracts that we've got when we talk about contracts which is great yeah so on that point real quick so so, so the the category a type contracts the type a contracts is is that where the focus will be regarding a lot of the the automation the, the technology solutions there and more of the the people thinking the brain power the strategic emphasis is going on like you say though those big contracts those the maybe the more unusual ones the the big programs of work exactly so for that simple type of contract you have various kinds of solutions so for example you have semantic engines 
that provide pre-screening or data extraction and they add machine learning so they get better all the time. And at the moment, that stuff, where it's at, that technology is more in the area of semi-automated advice, right? As in, here the machine's theory doesn't resonate with someone who's actually qualified to do it, right? And there are rewrite services that exist, but they really only touch the simplest profile A contracts at the moment. So that, that's exactly it. And, um, and, and you know, that, that's, that's also good, you know, because uh, as I say, those are the most frequently occurring ones. Um, and, and then afterwards you have the, another type of typically profile A towards profile D contracts that um, can be dealt with by things like distributed ledger or smart contract type solutions where um, some, particularly where some contract types that have data sensors, or they need a lot of data, right? They need to take in data, these contracts, and they need to take an action on it. So um, typically those contracts are more standard in nature or have a stronger relationship to data. So to, to give you a real life example, um, the insurance industry is created a company called B3i to explore the potential use of blockchain in a kind of consortium shape. And uh, that's quite a big piece of news. I mean, that's formed by companies with about 60% of the world's insurance capacity, right? So it's a huge um, venture. Um, and, you know, with, with the B3i distributed ledger, what, what that does is it links underlying insurance portfolios with the reinsurance that insures the portfolio. So it connects these two different books of business belonging to different people. Um, so where before the insurer had to compute its losses and send a bill to the reinsurers that the reinsurers would then pay one bill at a time. Now you have a situation where the losses computed by the insurers are entered into a front end that feeds into the distributed ledger where a smart contract calculates the daily netting, basically. So, um, you know, like, like, like we discussed before, and like everyone else, these guys are starting at the simple end. So in insurance and reinsurance, that's called catastrophe reinsurance, and they're hoping to scale to other lines of business over time. But I think if you take out that, that sort of frequency piece that has little interest to anyone, all of a sudden, you know, you are, you can start to explore clever, very clever ways of doing the more complex type of contracts and, um, and you can you can have more human attention on them too. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I was just thinking in my mind, it's it's almost uh, as though say you, you could you could apply it to the most basic of contracts where, where goods come in, they get receipted or invoiced or, or whatever the process is within the organization, and it would trigger payments across that supplier base just effortlessly, and you wouldn't need a, a accounts payable, or a, a, an admin assistant, or whatever type role to manually go in and check all of this it would just be instant and without fuss and you can save a ton of money on employment exactly and it, you know it's not to say that there aren't examples out there of more complex contracts having that type of technology embedded so i heard of, of one where a, a company that does um, maintenance of nuclear facilities um they they now record using um um, video headsets. They record their activity, and that recording is automatically beamed as into into the into the distributed ledger on which their work is recorded. And that distributed ledger has a payment piece too. So you've got a record of not only the work done and the quality of it and so forth being beamed live into this contract recording facility. You also have the um, effectively the the payment obligations and the billing obligations being also dealt with on that same ledger yeah that's incredible and 
uh, you say the, the distributed ledger for anyone that might be wondering what the hell are we, are we talking about? It, it, it's effectively like real simple terms, a wonderful audit trail of copious amounts of data that you can feed into it and it, it doesn't go away and it's visible to everyone who's got access uh, to that platform. Right, exactly. No, that, that's great. I mean, so just like in my mind then, really the, the innovations around this this piece, they're, they're trying to make contracts easier to use and more understandable within the business to get value out of a lot of the, the simple contracts, but also then to allow them to focus more time. It's almost like that Pareto principle that everyone bangs on about. You know, you don't want to spend most of your time on all the, the almost transactional basic stuff that just takes time and is very process orientated. So is, is, is that the, the real crux of this? Is, the, is, the, the, is, is this all happening to save time, save businesses money and just make things way more efficient and clearer, more transparent? I think that's where it's coming from, you know, and, um, and, and to allow us to better leverage people, to give them more interesting jobs, to, um, to, to bring greater consistency in those areas where, you know, where it's a bit cookie cutter. Um, I think all, another couple of things that will probably play in here is, um, is uh, standardization. I think standardization will slowly creep in, however unlikely that seems in certain segments, um, that there will be opportunities for standardization over time where, you know, it's not so important what those 50 pages say. What's important is how different are they from that other 50 page contract that you already know pretty well, right? Technology can help you to, to sort of do that, you know, in a manner that's a bit more interactive and interesting than track changes. And, um, and, and another interesting movement probably is the contract design movement where people are saying, well, you know, if the information was better designed in a contract, um, then of course people would understand it better. You'd need less intermediation too, and you'd be able to, um, you know, have better looking, easier to use human-centered documents in your hands. No, that's great. And I mean, I mean I, I, we're coming to the end now. I think that's uh, a wonderful overview of, for a lot of people, this is going to be an incredibly complex area. And I think most people will kind of be thinking to themselves after listening to this, actually, maybe I will get to a point where contracts work for me and they're not working against me, draining my time and effort. And I'm not necessarily having to deal with legal teams all the time who just talk to me in a different language. So uh, exactly, Daniel, you raise a very good point. But in a contract, if you're entering into a contract, you know someone is taking value from you, right? It's the counterparty because the notion of a contract you know, is consideration. So someone is taking something for you. So the question to you is, you know, am I passively accepting that taking or am I getting anything back in return? And frequently with the contracts we sign, we can't remember, yes, I'm getting that house, but what are the covenants, what are the, you know, I can't remember, I just got a house or uh, um, uh, et cetera. And, and, a, and a contract often has many rights and obligations that people, um, people tend to forget about and that they don't, they then can't use those rights in an appropriate way. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Like you say, uh, the contract is almost going to be a tool that people can actually use and it's just not something that's in place that people just get confused around, which typically yeah. happens 
like you say in those examples when you buy a house just basically day-to-day -day life and then when you bring it into the business environment it can get even more complex there but rory thanks so much for jumping on um where can people connect with you like is linkedin the best place yeah linkedin is fine um I'm there. Awesome. And I mean, I'm going to give you the opportunity just to do a little bit of a, not a, not a sales pitch, just a, you, you're working on something called Simpli, Simplifier. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Can you give like a, a 30 second introduction to that? Because I've had a look at it and I've had a little, you know, go for it. And I, I think it looks cool. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, very quickly then, it's a digital negotiation platform. And the idea is that three phases should improve. One is the creation of a document that should get easier. And so we have one click insertion of standard templates. Um, and then the audit trail of the contract should be more secure than it currently is with email with attachments. And then thirdly, what should change is, um, is your ability to read the contract more quickly by looking at actually, you know, as I said before, I know this 50 page document, but what is different? And you do that by storing your standards. You have a set of common standards and then you have your own standards libraries that you can record and remember as an organization, what you like, what you don't like and what text you've got in your contract. So it's, it's designed to help people link up with each other and agree contracts and sign them digitally. Very simple. Thanks for jumping on. This is probably a little bit different compared in comparison to a lot of other guests I've had on this is you know, talking to an actual lawyer is is wonderful uh, someone who's trained in the profession uh, and I think you've given so much value so yeah thanks so much for jumping on today. Thank you very much and thanks for the opportunity I really enjoy it and I hope um, I've watched the other one and I really liked it so thank you very much. If you enjoyed this week's World of Procurement podcast episode make sure you head over to Google or Apple leave a five star review show us some love let us know what you thought of this episode and any of the previous episodes and we'll see you on the next one.